Revolting is produced by the Cycling Independent, with the support of subscribers like you and additional underwriting from Shimano North America. We are community-focused, community-supported, and dedicated to the whole of cycling. Always remember, at the Cycling Independent, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. This is Revolting with Steve and Robot on the Cycling Independent, episode 25, The Tour of France. And we're obligated to tell you before we start that this podcast contemplates both mature and immature themes. You might not like all the words we use or the ideas we bring up. If you're sensitive about these things, maybe this isn't the podcast for you. It's okay. We still love you. What's All the kooks episode? are still with us. What's a, yeah. What's today's episode about? The, uh, the, the Tour, Tour of, of France. France. It's a bicycle race. It is. I thought about <clears throat> writing the Tour de France, but I was like, I can't say de France. You either have to say de France, and I'm not going to say France. I don't know. If you don't speak French, then it's the, the Tour or the Tour yeah. of France, as far as just, you know, I'm concerned. Yeah, I just thought I would leave it aside. And then I, I just get kind of amused by the tour of France. Yeah. 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 We're going we're gonna to talk about that today. We are and, eventually. Um, and the thing, I'll, I'll say right up front, I don't really... <clears throat> this wouldn't have been the top of my topics list, but I was thinking about it this week for some reason. And I was like, you know, undeniably the tour had a big influence on me mm-hmm. no matter how I feel about pro cycling or pro cyclists or doping or not doping or whatever. There was a time when the tour, uh, was a big deal, uh, to me personally. And also to the industry that, uh, I have inhabited. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I mean, it's, foundational you know it's an important it's a it's a vitally important thing whether you like it or not or you feel you're mad you're still mad that your heroes juiced or whatever the fuck it's it's uh it's an important it's an important piece of of the bicycle world i don't personally you know i i've i've watched it probably sporadically since i was in high school i love the pageantry i love the history Mm -hmm. uh i love the uh strategies you know when you when you really begin to learn what it's not just a bunch of people look trying to race for first place all the time you know Mm. and you learn that there's it's like a big crazy chess game um and when you sort of begin to pick that apart and look at it through that uh, from that perspective it it's super exciting personally i've always loved the classics like the one day classics the spring sure. classics yeah uh for the same reason just the way they look and they're you know when i first learned about 
when they first learned about, or when I first learned about road racing and, you know, I was still seeing pictures of people and I didn't know any of the names or anything, but they, I'd heard bits and pieces from people who did know that these were just a bunch of farmers, you know, in the off season. And then they would strap on hairnet helmets and they would go out and punish themselves for 200 K or whatever. That just, I just was wild to me in the pictures people splattered in mud. And, you know, there's a famous picture of Bob Roll taking the worst line and it was maybe Flanders or it was, I I don't know, the Roubaix. I don't know what race it was. And everybody's on these Neapolonic, what's the word? Napoleonic? Napoleonic stone roads just uh, it just looked uh, awful you know it like it was like primordial mm. Preme- primeval it just looked terrible it looked yeah. awful and it raw. looked raw and raw un- unsophisticated and painful brutal and, and shitty and yeah that, gorgeous. so that's the stuff that i was always attracted to but the tour is just i mean it's just it's just epic you know it's a circus Mm-hmm. it's a goddamn circus it's a great you know it's a good story i think i think a bunch of things have happened to make the story less great um but it's a great uh circus story with clowns and and jugglers and things have you ever have you ever been no i mean i have been to france but i have never been to the tour and yeah. i haven't been to france in decades I feel like that would change. I feel like being able to see see it in person would change my perspective, because you know you can only you can only take so much in from watching it on TV. Um, I think watching it on TV is sort of like watching uh, like Disney on television versus you know actually dropping acid and seeing it <laughs> in <yeah>. real life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because the I climbs all look like, oh, this is an epic climb. And then they have the helicopter shots and then there's right. like a chateau and you, you're kind of like, oh yeah, this is great. But actually I think if you stood on the side of the climb, you'd be like, holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have, I don't really have any, <laughs> any perspective. You know, I've seen yeah. the, whatever the tour of California and the tour of Colorado, whatever that was called. And those were beautiful. And, and I got to see heroes and you know renowned professional bike riders but not in not in that environment so i don't really have you know i was actually thinking about uh there was in 2013 i think um when i guess it was joe parkin was the editor at paved magazine which was sort of a sister publication to bike magazine and it just concentrated on road centric stuff and he asked me to do a to do a to do a weekly sort of blow by blow of of uh, that year's tour and i did it all without watching any of the stages <clears throat> so i wrote an entire race review of all 23 stages or 25 stages or whatever um based on little bits and pieces that i'd seen on twitter or things that i'd heard in conversation mm. and that was maybe one of my finest pieces of writing <laughs> but but in hindsight now i look at it and i realize that that is kind of that sort of sums up my general perspective of of the tour in general it's 
you know, I'm fascinated with it, but not enough to pay that much attention to it. I love that it exists, but it doesn't affect my existence one way or the other. Yeah, the window where I watched like the full four hour coverage was very narrow. Mm -hmm. I very quickly was like, okay, I get it. The one hour synopsis will be great. And then that was pretty quickly followed by the seven minute update on YouTube <laughs> will be great, which, which just preceded not giving a fuck at all. Who I'm won? just going to what? I'll wait until world cycling releases the VHS copy next spring. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no, I'm waiting for the, the no VH- spoiler alerts. I got yeah. I'm waiting for the, the VC, the VHS copy to be released. I don't want to know uh, who won this year. I'm waiting for VHS, the VHS copy of Tour de France's of the 2020s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want the 10, I want the decade long. Um, yeah, so you also stopped caring. Well, I don't know that I ever really Because you're did. not sure you ever started. <laughs> not really. I mean, it was something that I, it, like I said, it was something that I appreciated. It was something that I, I like that it exists. And I yeah. always, from... A young age, I knew I knew a couple kids uh, growing up who were really into road riding and road racing, and they, you know, they were the first people that I ever saw with shaved legs. and And this kid was riding. This one kid, Peter, would ride from Evergreen to Vale, which I just I couldn't even wrap my I couldn't even wrap my mind around that. That was just seemed like such an amazing distance. But it was through those guys that I kind of learned about uh, the culture. And then I, you know, on Wide World of Sports, I guess on Sunday would have recaps of some stuff that was, that was the only, that was the only information, the only coverage that I could see when I was, you know, in the mid eighties. And uh, I loved, I loved watching it, you know, I didn't know anything about it, but I loved that it existed. And And I didn't, I guess, you know, I guess I didn't love it enough to really investigate or really immerse myself in, in learning about it and get learning about the, the players, learning about the history. It was just, I just liked, I just liked that it existed and that was enough for me and still kind of still is. I think, you know, it, it. Back then, it seemed so uh, sort of esoteric, right? Like, so there was like, it, it was a very niche cultural thing in this country, which is weird. It's like some, some kid in France was like, oh, do you like the Super Bowl? <laughs> um, <laughs> ah, I am one of these weirdos who likes the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, There's, there was something kind of punk rock about it then. Right. Because there was no information about it. And then I would, you know, there was a kid that, Worked at Wax Tracks Records in Denver, which was the only place you could get punk rock stickers or shirts or records or whatever. And I remember he had a campy tattoo. And I thought that was super cool. And then through my friend Mark Dickerson, who I brought up before. Dick Markerson. Mark Dickerson and Dave Strunk. uh, They were super bike nerds. And also total derelicts. And it was, you know, I saw, I was like, wow, you can be like a punk rock kook and also be knowledgeable about bike racing and tactics and right, right, right. And, and being a mechanic and stuff like they were the first people that they were like the first non jock bike jocks that I ever knew and 
and they, they kind of formed my, uh, I don't know. I'm not going to say directive cause I was already kind of headed that way anyway. They just kind of, sh- they bolstered, they bolstered what I was doing. Yeah. It's like discovering a, an awesome new subculture, right? Yeah. And it was not, but it wasn't, it wasn't clean cut, you know, like I saw this yeah. Peter kid and the, the will, the other road racer kid. And I saw it was all very buttoned up in type a, yeah. and I knew that wasn't me. Um, but I knew that, you know, it was okay. Uh, I, up until that point, I was the only person that I knew that watched bike racing or, or even had a passing interest in it. But at that point, you know, early eighties, I was just into BMX and but it, at that point it was just like fuck bikes are bikes are cool <clears throat> and uh I, and that was all i that was all i cared about right i just want to jump back to your friends because you said their names and i have this problem that when someone says their name um like if you said steve knievel to me i in my head i would go keeve Keeve Stenevel. Oh, you met Keeve Stenevel. Yeah, I do that thing. So you said Mark Dickerson, and I said Dark Mickerson, mm-hmm. and then you said, da- and then you said Dave Strunk. I think, and yeah. I was like, well, don't do it again because you're just being obnoxious saying it out loud. <laughs> but then I realized that Dave Strunk would be Stave Drunk, and I was yeah. like, oh, that's worth. That was kind of his nickname in, in high school because he would he would always like change the second letter and people's first and last names yeah he would mix that he would mix those up all the time and then so those were that's kind of how some nicknames were formed i have a good buddy who lives in santa cruz named mark weaver but we call him dark beaver (laughs) um it's a variation on that theme you know dan cheever yes he's a minneapolis uh, uh then portland transplant he's pretty legendary character but he has his drunken alter ego is Stan Beaver. Stan Beaver. Okay. And when he goes from Dan Cheever to Stan Beaver, it's called the Stanzition. Oh. <laughs> and uh, I've actually, I've, I took a picture of it in Las Vegas. Like I caught it mid Stanzition and it's, oh. it's weird. It's like two different faces. It's a real Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde sort of a thing. You should make a Wikipedia article for that. <laughs> uh, I, I could, or at the very least a, a urban dictionary. Yeah. He should have his own entry. Dark People. Beaver, my friend Dark Beaver is the one, I think I told you about him before. We were at the beach together uh, one summer. We had bought, I think it was the summer, <clears throat> we both bought Hyundai XLs. And I bought mine for 100 bucks, and I think he paid 400 for his. It was like the first time that we had bought our own cars. <laughs> you both got ripped off. Yeah. So we went to the beach. I think it was that summer. We went to the beach and we, I, I don't even know why we had wiffle ball with us. Like, I don't recall, like maybe we stopped at the drugstore and bought like the drugstore wiffle ball kit. So a little plastic bat and the little, is that wiffle ball? The ball with yeah. all the holes in it? Exactly. Okay. So he, we're at the beach and we decide to play wiffle ball and I have the bat and he throws a pitch and I swing and I let go of the bat. I don't know, like my hands were wet or I was trying to throw it at him. I don't really remember, but it hit him square in the face Mm. and he starts, he would get bloody noses all the time anyway. So he's, he's like knee deep in the, in the water, in the ocean. And there's just blood pouring down his face. 
And most people would be like, oh, no, I have a bloody nose and they'd pinch it and they would get out of the water. And Mark was like, uh, he started to like scream and people on the beach like he's fine. But he starts to scream. People on the beach are like noticing and the blood is running down and he's like rubbing it on his chest and like screaming. Hey, that's shark territory. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, would, it was fantastic. I wouldn't, I wouldn't fuck with that. My our friend Elin, uh, who was there also, she was like uh, trying not to barf because his whole torso was covered in blood, and he was just like smearing it around. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Uh, what were we talking about? I oh yeah, no. Oh, I told you I was gonna throw a curveball at you. And this and then is you brought so, up wiffle ball. Oh, we were, you were going to surprise me with the thing before we oh, started recording. Yeah, that's right. So mm -hmm. the new format, we always end on a would you rather or some sort of what I'll call a poser, right? Like a question that you have to right? Right. <clears throat> I want to do a music recommendation because you were texting me or you were emailing me earlier about the new quicksand record. Mm hmm. And whether I needed it. Yeah, I got double I, download. So yeah. when, when you, you know, a lot of times when you buy records, they don't send download cards with stuff anymore. Yeah. Which is absolutely infuriating. If you buy a record at a store, you don't get the download code. You get the vinyl, which I, you know, there was a window, like a five-year window where you'd buy the record and then you'd also get the download code. And life was good. Now you don't get the download code. But if you buy a record off of a band's website or their band camp, then you also get the download. But I got a double download and I, I don't know what to do with the second one. Somebody, somebody should use it. Yes. It's a good but, record. It is. So you, so what? So I wanted to do a mute, a single music recommendation at the beginning of every podcast. Oh, okay. Uh, Oh, you know, I just stumbled across, it's a, not a, not a current band. I don't even know if they're still together, but this German I think they're called electronica folk <laughs> or something. There's a guy with a guitar and then there, his buddy ha like does beats and stuff with, with a, with a laptop or some mm. kind of technology, but they're called milky chance. Oh yes. And milky I, chance is a real thing. Actually. Yeah. What? Like other they're than popular. the band? They oh. have popularity. I believe I know this because of, I have teenage sons. They're huge in Europe or they were, mm. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't, you know, it's just one of those things like you're just sort of like perusing through your normal uh, labyrinth of internet stuff, jumping from cartoons to bike stuff to <laughs> see if there's anything new in the world of pornography, back to bike stuff, and then right. a skateboard video. And then I came across this band no and I chance. was like, that, it, and it kind of, and I don't really know anything about them. I haven't investigated much, but there's a couple of tracks that I listened to, which were really beautiful. So huh. That's your, uh, that's your maybe opening salvo. At least a couple of songs by them. I, yeah. you know, I could listen to the whole, uh, you know, uh, in, immerse myself in their catalog later today. And I'll be like, son of a bitch. I shouldn't have said that. Cause that they only have two good songs. <laughs> <clears throat> so um, for now, that's kind of the thing that's sticking, sticking out in my, my brain musically. Okay. I'm going to recommend, um, a band it's they're not a band they are also a duo and i think i'm not sure what they are really uh i sent you the video or one of their videos a while ago i think 
They're called Clown Core. Mm. And it's a drummer and a saxophone player. And they are both virtuosic in their ability to play their instruments. Uh, and what they play is a mix. I would say it is somewhere between uh, like post-industrial hardcore and Kenny G. Good. They sort of like swerve back and forth. And actually... Everything you've described sounds terrible. Like I keep waiting for that one linchpin that makes me say, yeah, that sound actually sounds super interesting, but still I'm not, I'm not sold. I think if you, I'm going to send you the video again. Okay. Uh, uh, and actually I would recommend anyone trying to encounter this music to look it up on YouTube, watch the video. Like you can l listen to it in whatever format you listen to things you can but that won't communicate the whole uh message i think of clown core hmm. okay well i'm i'm not i'm not going to shut the door on i'm not going to shut the door on that but mm. it sounds no i don't think you did uh i don't think you did send me a video it's all sound it's it's all new to me Oh, all right. I'm going to send it to you again for the first time. Okay. I appreciate that. And I think it's going to move you emotionally. Uh, okay. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm ready. Right. Uh, what was the other thing? Oh, there, there's another, there's another band that they don't, they don't, they've only released two tracks. Oh, uh, I was listening called, to them this morning. I know who you're going to say. Yeah. Plosives. Yes. Um, which is basically like. It's going to be 2022's record of the year, I think. Um, members of Mr. Magician, Rocket from the Crypt, uh, Against Me, and Pinback. Yes. And so good. So good. Going on tour uh, this spring, and I hope to catch them. They played two shows, I think, two months ago. One in San Diego and one in Long Beach, and I was going to go to the one in Long Beach, but I you know, there's a global pandemic and I'm afraid to leave my house. Yeah. So I didn't do The that. whole record I think is out next month, uh, which by the time this comes out will be last month probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, they, they were recording a month ago and I, you know, I was wondering if, because record production is so spectacularly fucked up now, if they put an order in as a band, do you put an order in, for whatever 2000 records even before you've recorded anything just so you're in the queue you know what i mean because I mean, the like, record company must have do that the record company and they I, i'm pretty sure they are their own record company right yeah but uh, so like the we were just discussing the new quicksand i ordered that in J june or july and it's yeah. just now being shipped and it is almost the end of january yeah. I think also you like you'll notice a lot like the quicksand you got was like some sort of multicolored splatter vinyl, right? Yeah. I yeah. think there's a I could be wrong, but maybe uh, bands are getting like the off-colored vinyls because all the black is just booked. We should say out loud who fucked the record business. 
And when I say the record business, I don't mean the music business. I mean the business of vinyl records. Well, I mean, the, the, the last 30 years of disinterest kind of fucked it. You know, if I'd known 15 years, actually, I did know 15 years ago. I've always liked vinyl records, but there there aren't that many companies. There aren't that many pressing plants, right. you know, and so now the pressing plants that exist are absolutely crushed under workload. You know, they're running 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Right. Um, because there's just no, but now there's this research, like a huge insert resurgence in vinyl in interest in vinyl. And I think I read some statistic that said that like <clears throat> vinyl purchasing has gone up in the last year, like 400% or something like mm. people fucking love records again, which is, mm. Which is cool, but now, like, I can't really buy new releases. I just have to, I just go back into the used bins and get stuff yeah. that, you know, or round out, you know, things that I only had CDs of or something previously. But Tyler, t- Tyler, what's her name? Taylor Swift and Adele both put out their last albums on vinyl. And, and, uh, who's the red haired guy, uh, the English guy? Oh, Ed Sheeran. Yeah, Ed Sheeran, he also did. Like a lot of popular um, artists or main, like big, well-known mainstream artists are putting stuff out on vinyl now. Right. And, and, that, and that's eating supply and big time. But it was also previous to this uh, when I when I got my the Who Writes the Tiger record made, I did it with United Record Pressing in Nashville and I got grandfathered in because I'd done seven inches with them back in the 90s. Um, uh, but they weren't taking on any new clients because they had like the Beatles reissue contract and the and Bob Marley and the Whalers reissues and 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 when you put when you put a Beatles record out or a Bob Marley record out, of course you're doing seven hundred thousand copies or something, you know. And then they also, yeah. I think they had the Discord contract, and just those three contracts alone is enough to keep any record pressing plant in mm. beans forever so then i come along and i'm like hey can i get 500 records made right and, and that's barely... like 300 more than you need <laughs> <laughs> it's true it was barely i i mean to do to do little to do little runs like that's barely worth their time that you was know? not by the way a comment on that who rides the tiger record which is fantastical oh thanks uh yeah no i didn't i it was i, I thought when i first when i first put records out uh, and I was having to pound the payment and walk to record stores and, and make phone calls to independent distributors and sell shit through a fanzine that nobody looked at. And it was just, it was really uh, labor intensive. And then when I put this new record out, I thought it would be much easier because I had the power of the internet behind me. And it turns out that, oh, and Who Rides a Tiger had broken up and all of the people in the band were doing other projects. So it's not like they were even going to tour on the record anyway. It was right. it really, it was just a passion project. And I wanted to, I wanted to have a vinyl copy of it because I really liked the record. So yeah. just like with everything that I make, I want one for myself. So I spend $5,000 on a record <laughs> and I hope that I can sell you know, the other 499 copies to make up for it. Which it was, you know, that one kind of bit me in the ass. Ultimately, Bill from Who Rides a Tiger, he bought a bunch of the records back off of me. So, thanks, Bill. Thanks, Bill. I didn't make any money, but I didn't, you know, I didn't put me in the poorhouse either. Yeah. 
many more than I already kind of exist in the poorhouse. Right. So back on track, uh, back music track. recommendations. Oh, there's a band that I, they're from Chicago, uh, that is actually touring with the plosives, uh, called meat wave. And that's a terrible name. Yeah. But I've been listening to them quite a lot. And I, I like, I like the cut of their jib as it were. I think you told me about meat wave or somebody told me about meat wave. And I was like, Oh, I really need to try that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's, you know, it's, I love, love learning about new music and, um, you've turned me on. I was listening to the 13th episode or whatever just got published today. And it was, we were, I was laughing at, you know, all of the bands that you've recommended to me over the years mm. and they've all been good. And I've even didn't even, I even have some that I thought that I discovered on my own that it turns out you, re- you uh, <laughs> turned me on to. And I have turned you on to absolutely nothing. I've, you know, I think that I made a crack about like sending you Lady Gaga videos. Like that's all I'm <laughs> good for. <laughs> anyway, I, so that's I think good- you've turned me on to some good music. I don't think that's accurate. I don't okay. think that's accurate. I don't. Th- I didn't start listening to the Bronx until I I read about them on All Hail the Black Market. Oh, far out. Okay. Yeah, those first two records are great. Yeah, I mean they they're really they're pretty prolific. I think I saw I think I saw that there was a show at one point that it was I I saw uh, Mariachi. Yeah, El, El Bronx is it El Mariachi Bronx Bronx El Mariachi El Bronx El Mariachi. I saw them and the Mises. You remember the Mises from not no from Oakland. I didn't no. even know that any of those guys were still alive and they both opened for rocket from the crypt in San Diego. Of, I don't know, four years ago. Mm. <clears throat> that was great. But I saw, I think at some point that the Bronx, the dirt bombs and rocket from the crypt played together at a show. And I just like, I couldn't <laughs> believe it. I couldn't, I've never been to a show where I wanted to see each individual band so badly, but right. that just sounded dynamite. Uh, I saw the dirt bombs open for spiritualized. I told, did I tell you about that? That was a very weird show. Mm-mm. I didn't know anything about spiritualized. They're like a psych psychedelic electronic, uh, thing from the UK. Mm. So it was all very dreamy and strummy and echoey. And mm-hmm. they went, they were the headliner. And so dirt bombs came out and crushed, uh, in their like blues rock, kind of way they're so good god i love uh so good and so cool like effortlessly cool and then i watched this british like dreamy thing it was a very strange night yeah oh hey it's story time with steve when i was eight or nine years old my mom and dad bought me my first bmx bike it was a jc penny free spirit and in time i went on to put some nice accessories and components on it, like a tough neck stem and CW bars, which just made it sort of the embodiment of putting a nice frame on a shitty painting. One day I was hanging out at the local bike shop, which during the winter was a ski shop. It was a little tiny place run by this guy named Andy. And one day he gave me a 10 inch long die cut Shimano sticker. It was blue I didn't really know what Shimano was or anything about it, but I put it on my top tube and immediately made the bike 150% cooler. 
it was around that time that I probably became a lifelong Shimano guy. We should get back to the Tour of France, though. Okay, right. Okay, so that was your curveball to start talking about music. Yeah, I really f***ed uh, you with that one, didn't I? Yeah. I do, so, yeah. But, I mean, this, is, this could be potentially be like a 15-minute episode because what do you think about the tour? I don't know. Glad it exists. Yeah. Watch it sometimes. I like and, some of the music that I used to listen to when I cared about that. <laughs> And that's that's kind of that's kind of the long and the short of it, you know. Well, let's it, let's answer question two quickly, and then okay. we'll get to question three, which is particularly juicy this week. Well, it also and you really have a good story of, about it too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so question two: Assuming you no longer care about the tour, what is the coolest thing you associate with it, or someone who wrote it? Yeah. Um, my answer. Yeah is Jan Ulrich's gold earring. That's the coolest thing I associate with the tour. Jan Ulrich, at some point, started wearing that one kind of big gold <laughs> hoop earring, and I was like, what the fuck is that? What the fuck? At first, I was like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? And then I was like, no, that's, that is the coolest thing about the Tour de France right now, France. <laughs> uh... Well, I love Jan. I love the, I loved the, um, the, how, oh, what's the word? It was, it was like Jan and Lance, you right. know, and you just never knew what was going to happen. And it was anybody's stage. And it was those two were such intense rivals. And either you were in Lance camp or you were in Jan camp. I loved Miguel Enderain. Mm. Uh, he never, his facial expression never changed. He was just an absolute monster. Um, yeah. I love the uh, the crowds, you know, people in the Basque territory, everybody going completely yeah. ape shit. I loved <laughs> yeah. how how intensely passionate the fans were and who, you know, weren't necessarily cyclists. Like looking at it from that perspective that these people they're they don't ride they don't see in america that's the difference is be like cycling fans in america are generally cyclists yeah and cycling fans in europe are all walks of life and people are coming that's out our of their, that's their nfl right? yeah that's they, their they're like coming out of their farmhouses and they're setting up <clears throat> lemonade stands and yeah i just like that was that was really cool i always really appreciated that um and uh even before i mean i loved it I didn't know any of the riders in the eighties really, but just like everybody, it was just this like punk rock. Didn't give a fuck. Nobody wore helmets. Yeah. yeah. Everybody just kind of, it was just, people were just, they were just monsters. And I thought yeah. that was, that was really cool. Um, and there was like, what was the, there was one more thing. I suppose, uh, we bring up Joe Parkin a lot. Um, his talking with him in the, I guess, when did we become friends? Probably to that mid 2009 or 2010, I guess thereabouts, or maybe a little bit earlier, but he talking with him about it, you know, talking with somebody who was kind of intimately familiar with professional cycling before it really blew up the lance era we will yeah. call it yeah um 
I have really fond memories of that because it's just this insider's perspective that there's no other way I would have gotten, you know? So those are the things that I think, those are the cool things that I associate with it. You brought up Miguel Indurain. I, the, I, I, I saw him race and he was like, all the things you said were accurate. The thing that I always, always, always remember about Miguel Indurain is the, is the fact, uh, or at least as reported that his resting heart rate was 29 beats per minute. Yeah. And when I heard that, I was like, it just boggles my mind. Like the heart, every, his heart's so powerful that it it's like less than two seconds or I'm sorry, more than two seconds between beats and just these enormous, like, thud. Yeah. Well, he's kind of a, he's, he's like a sloth. Yeah. You know, like he just, but also. Sleepy eyed. Yeah. There's also, I don't, I don't know any, really anything about physiology, but um, I think when your blood pressure is that low and your, yeah. your resting beats per minute are that low. There's a whole host of physiological issues, adverse yeah. physiological issues that, that can take place. You know, when you're, when you're really pinning it and your, your heart rate is maxed out and it's like 80 beats per minute or something, <laughs> Yeah, you know, that's not, that's not necessarily a, a good thing. It's good to have low blood pressure, but not too low. And it's good to right. have a resting, a low resting heart rate, but not too low. Because it's not really good. I mean, it's maybe like his maybe heart. his left hand will fall off because most of the time not a blood enough blood gets there. Yeah, or your or your your or his heart. He's just a physiological phenomenon, you know. Right. And his heart is huge, and so one beat of his heart pushes as much blood as three beats of a normal person's heart. I don't know about it. I don't know about any of that stuff, but yeah. I've heard that too. Yeah. I like I like I like to think that maybe Miguel now doesn't have a left hand because not enough blood got there and it just fell off. <laughs> Pretty sure no medical doctors are going to back me up on that. <laughs> oh yeah, his left hand fell off. Yeah, I was that's having, the price you pay. I had a conversation with my parents and a friend of theirs who is a retired nurse, and I I catch myself discussing. Uh, we talk about medical things, or mm. you know, last night we were talking about. The, my parents were asking me the difference between uh, opioids and meth and i was discussing a, a physical a body's response to these two different kinds of drugs and i went on for a while and i think that i knew what i was talking about but then i looked over at her and i and it occurred to me that she she's super kind this woman and she is very knowledgeable but she also said that when she retired from from working in medicine that she just kind of like forgot everything that she knew so I always joke that, you know, when I'm, when I'm talking about something that I think I know about, and in this case, it was, it was medical, med- yeah. medical, physiological responses to, to various drug addictions or whatever, that she was just like, like, <laughs> oh my God, when you shut up. Yeah. Every, everything out of your mouth is the worst. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, that's why, I mean, I like to own that I don't know anything, and I, uh, you know, I'm sure Miguel Indurain still has a left hand, everyone who's out there worried about Miguel. I'll call him later. He sure vanished. He you know, did. He really, it, that was the, that was a kind of a, 
a wild thing is he what won five and then just bounced. Yeah. I mean, he was probably so juiced that he was like, you know what? I'm not going to make the the mistake that stupid ass Armstrong made. I'm going to shut my mouth at the end and just keep my money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I think that's, I think that, I mean, I would assume that's what the case was. Yeah. When you've done a crime, it's best not to talk about it all day. Right. Hey, what was there? There was a movie about Eric Zabel. Oh, um, called, I think so, there was a documentary about him racing when he was yeah, on yeah, yeah. T-Mobile. Yep. Um, do you have the internet? It's a really, it was, that was another, that was another thing that I was going to mention is like what positive, uh, response or positive memories associated with the tour. When that movie came out, that totally blew my mind. I think it was something relating to fire. Yeah. I'm (laughs) fairly certain I owned that on VHS. (laughs) <laughs> laser disc hell on wheels hell on wheels yeah not a not fire at all uh well hell fire it's all you know when i was little hell on I used, wheels. when i was little i used to call sideburns fire jobbies because i <laughs> fire couldn't remember jobbies. yeah yeah wheels he- of fire um the german is colon tour which means hell tour it's a t- uh, 2004 german film uh, it's a record of the hundredth anniversary tour of France in 2003 from the perspective of team telecom where Zabel telecom. That was it. Yeah. Eric Zabel and Rolf Aldag was the DS on that. <clears throat> that's a, um, that is a really good, that's a really good movie. If I, I watched, correctly. I watched all those documentaries. There was one about, um, Team CSC when Bjarni Reese was the manager. Mm-hmm. And Carlos said he's always like yelling at Carlos Sastra, and Carlos is like, oh, leave me alone, man. Um I used to I watched all that shit. I, I was such a I have been such a a cycling junkie. I was uh, talking to someone about Hans Ray the other day, and I had all of Hans Ray's VHS tapes. Yeah. Watching him do his trialsy tricks, With trying to mullet, learn how to do stuff. His golden mullet flowing yeah. in the wind behind him i love all that stuff if i <clears throat> i think vhs was uh if you look at all the vhs tapes i owned um the a very large percentage of them were really stupid cycling videos <laughs> i'm not saying hans ray's videos were stupid N- i no. love hans no, they were no. i mean it was it was like i was joking about uh was a U- I think i said usa cycling it was a like a video production company. I think they were based in Minneapolis and they would, you could get all of the spring classics and the, Oh yeah. And yeah, the tour yeah. and everything. And so you could have all of these on yeah. VHS and then, you know, you go to the bike shop and they would be playing. Right. Whatever. Uh, 1992s Flanders. Yeah. I had some of those for sure. Yeah. Th- I thought those were, those were cool. I don't know. I don't even know if that's, I don't even know if that's a company anymore, Yeah, but it's kind of that's kind of nostalgic. So that's a thing. Nostal there's there's a a nostalgia about all of those years about sort of learning about who the writers were and the the sort of the soap opera yeah. drama between the writers. Pro and, wrestling, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is Undertaker gonna win the tour this year? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Brutus Brutus the Barber Beefcake. 
Yeah. So the question three is a would you rather, kind of. Kind of. And it came from, is it, I don't know, what is IV in Roman numerals? Is that five? IV is four. Four. And it was a Chuck Falunek book. And it's Klosterman. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, no. Yes. Chuck Klosterman, who also wrote a book called Fargo Rock City, which I love. And another book called Killing Yourself to Live, I think, where he went to all of these places where rock stars died. Otis Redding and Buddy Holly and the guys in Van Zant, whatever the dude from Leonard Skinner. Leonard Skinner, yeah. And he's writing an article for Spin Magazine about going to these places where people died. But then he's writing a book about going about writing the article about going to these places where people died. And I think it was called Killing Yourself to Live. But they're both really good books. Anyway, so it's either called IV or it's called Four. And in this <laughs> <Right>. book, <laughs> in this book, he has uh, an array of really inventive would you rather's scenarios yeah yeah like way more than like would you drink toilet water or would you put a bag of fleas on your head (laughs) way more extensive than this and how this this one in particular relates to the tour is whatever year specialized debuted the htc high road team which was bernie eisel and mark cavendish like the dream team Tony Martin was on that team, right? Was he? The time trial, the German time trial guy. Oh. Oh, I was thinking Tony Cruz. Um, God, I don't remember. There was a lot. I mean, there was, there was like fucking 25 people like come walking out. Right. Okay. Before we get to that, I get dispatched for paved magazine to go write an article, go to, to specialized Morgan Hill, California headquarters. And write about the htc high road team and And you wrote about this on your website so if people want to read that thing which is hilarious they can go to all hail the black market and search for htc i I don't even remember i can't i i have a hard time finding it when i go back to look for it but it's yeah it's in there somewhere um and it's just a blow by blow of like three days at specialized headquarters trying to write this article about the neurological tests and the physical tests and the bike fitting and all of this stuff. And I didn't, you know, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing and I'm hanging out with all of these like legitimate international cycling journalists and professional cyclists. And I have no idea what I'm doing. And, um, so well, I knew you, you clearly have no idea what you're doing, but it's also clear that the event is a total wank fest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I, I felt, I felt super out of place and I had a couple of friends who worked at specialized. So I could kind of like rub elbows and like dip into a corner and hang out with somebody that I knew, you know, and just kind of like grip my teeth and jump back into this circus. And then the group rides were fucking ridiculous, <laughs> uh, totally obscene, like trucks with cars or uh, trucks with cameras mounted on the back. And there was, so, you know, and you can like Mike Sinyard, of course, he's like in the center of all of this. And it was, they were just so 
so dumb. I bounced from a lot of the stuff. And then there was a big team dinner that I just sort of like moonwalked the fuck away from. <laughs> but so at lunch one day, I kneeled down between, I think it was, I think it was Bernie Eisel and Cavendish and they're sitting next to each other. And I ask Cavendish this question, question. three. Uh, and it, it goes like this. Uh, think of someone who is your friend. Uh, do not select your best friend, but make sure that this person is someone that you would classify as considerably more than an acquaintance. Uh, this friend is going to be attacked by a grizzly bear. <laughs> now, the person will survive the attack. This is absolutely guaranteed. There's a 100% chance that your friend will live. However, the extent of their injuries is unknown. They might receive nothing but a few superficial scratches, or they might lose a limb or multiple limb, multiple limbs. They might recover completely in 24 hours with nothing but a great story, or they might spend the rest of their life in a wheelchair. So somehow you have the ability to stop this attack from happening. You can magically save your friend from the bear, uh, but their salvation will come at a particular price. If you choose to stop the bear attack, it will always rain for the rest of your life. Wherever you go, it will be raining. Sometimes it will be a downpour or sometimes it will just be a light drizzle, but it will never not be raining. Uh, and it's not going to rain over the totality of the earth. Uh, the hydrological cycle of the planet won't be disrupted, but the storm will always be over your head and they will focus entirely on your specific whereabouts. Uh, so you'll never see the sun again. <laughs> Do you stop this attack from happening? And I'm kneeling on between <laughs> Cavendish and Eisel. And he looks at me, uh, Cavendish looks at me and he's like, so is it my best friend or is it like this guy? And points at Eisel and uh, you know, Eisel's like, what? <laughs> my, my, what, what? Now I have to reassess my entire relationship with you. And it was hilarious. <laughs> And he like, without even hesitating, he's like, oh no, absolutely. I would, I'd stop the bear attack. He's like, I'm from the Isle of Man. Like I didn't ever see the sun anyway. Right. And I, I was like, cool, man. Thanks. You know, like <laughs> this has got to be the easiest interview you've ever done. And then as a side note, uh, that evening we're sitting around this lounge area. It's the last night of this, this two day launch or three day launch or whatever. And I'm sitting with Kevin Franks. And uh, Ben Capron, who I don't know what they did at, at Specialized at this point in time, but I had known both of these guys. I'd known Kevin Frank since he worked at Marzocchi, and I'd known Ben Capron since like the early, mid-90s. You know, he's just like this haunch, single-speed bike racer guy. I think he, he, he was the first person to come out with V-brakes. Like, he designed a V-brake that was pre Shimano. Huh. Um, but a couple interesting characters and I had history with them and I gave them the, would you rather? I said, would you rather make out with your mom for a full minute or give your dad like a quick little peck on his butthole? <laughs> and there were a couple other team guys. around me. <laughs> and They both like slammed their computer shut and got up and walked away. And Kevin looked at me and he's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And they both bounced like nobody answered me. And then I was just like left sitting in this, <laughs> in this dark corner by myself. And, uh, thus concluded my initial, my first 
only foray as a professional cycling journalist. Um, I like that the 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 reason you were sent there is because you would ask hard hitting questions like that, <laughs> and the reason you failed is because you ask hard hitting questions like that. They didn't. I was bummed that it didn't get published and paved, but I also kind of understood, you know, <laughs> and specialized was probably like a title advertiser, right, or whatever. So I think Joe made the executive decision that they weren't going to do anything with this piece and. Joe has a real solid sense of humor, but no one else does. <laughs> yeah. Like anybody in the, in the road cycling world is gonna, that, that would just be an absolute atrocity, you know, yeah. that I, that I didn't take this opportunity seriously, or I didn't write <laughs> the exact same shit that you would have read in every other magazine or every other right. cycling, uh, uh, journal. Right. So, yeah, I thought that was a, I thought that was a pretty, that was a pretty fun experience. Um, and I think likewise, I mean, not likewise, but you know, for my part, I would, um, I would, uh, I'd stop the bear attack. So if it was me, cause we're not best friends, we're friends, no. we're friends, we're more than acquaintances at this point, but we're not Excuse best me. friends. You would save yeah. me from the bear. For sure. Yeah. And I would. I started thinking about this because there's so many cool uh, scenarios in this, in this book. And, and, you know, I was telling one of them to a friend's kid and she said something about like, if you could never immerse yourself in water again was one, like you just, you jump in the ocean and you just lay on top of it, like a big <laughs> bunch of jello yeah. or this other thing. Like we were coming up with all kinds of cool scenarios. Um, but I decided that I would utilize this and go to drought stricken regions <laughs> and I would make a living out of bringing rain to oh, places that needed it. Oh, I see. So, so you're, I not, would, you're not just a good friend. You're also an altruist. Well, it's, this is the only way that I would, cause I would want to fucking kill myself. So yeah. like, what's the bright side here besides yeah. the fact that I save your life from, or I save you from getting a scratch. Yeah. I, and, but I know that like you were fine, you're going to be around for your family, whatever. Cause I couldn't, I couldn't handle if you got totally fucked up and then I had to live the rest of my life with a relationship, having a relationship with you and seeing how badly you were damaged because of a decision that I made, I, I couldn't live with, yeah. I would rather live with rain than live with the weight of that. I mean, my gut <clears throat> is to be contrarian and be like, no, fucking <laughs> good luck with your bear injuries. You know, adversity can be a real growth opportunity. But <laughs> actually, actually to have to look at someone who's like missing limbs. Yeah. Uh, that's rough. I mean, it could be, it could be something really extreme too. Like, how am I going to do, how do I do a podcast with somebody whose jaw is missing? right <laughs> right and i'm making by the way i am making good money uh with this podcast oh yeah yeah so yeah yeah, yeah. i don't, <laughs> don't want to risk that yeah but some people some people i did almost you know, three figures <laughs> this this uh one of the one of the people that i asked she was like no fucking way i wouldn't stop it and her husband was like who are you talking about and she was like oh you know my friend Joni and he just looked at her just aghast 
like, oh man, dinner with her is going to be so awkward. Like the <laughs> next time we see her, I'm going to know that you wouldn't stop her from being attacked by a bear. Yeah. And I don't know how I'm going to keep that to myself. I mean, it may, it was like not a serious rift between these two people, but one person, it kind they were, and this woman was steadfast and like, I absolutely wouldn't save this person from being wow. attacked. Wow. Yeah. When her husband was just kind of like, well, fuck, man. Maybe <laughs> I just I learned something you. about you. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Yeah, maybe I don't know you as well as I thought I did. I feel like, um, you know, uh, the pandemic we've been going through has revealed a lot about people's characters. Mm -hmm. uh, we didn't really need that. We could have just gone through like uh, the seven minutes that you and I are going to discuss this uh, question and everyone will know everything they need to know about themselves. I give a fuck about other people or I don't give a fuck about other people. Yeah. 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 I, I suppose it could be boiled down so simply. And would you make out with your mom? Mm. Or is it your no. dad's butthole? No, I, I would die. I think I would kill myself. I don't, I can't, <laughs> I can't answer that one. That's yeah. a, that's a rough one. No, I won't answer that. And it's also entirely possible that my parents might listen to this and I don't Oh know. yeah. Let's not mess with uh, that then. Mm -mm. Uh, but that I liked, I liked the fact that nobody wanted anything to do with me after that. And that was <laughs> yeah. it that like, and that shut the lights off on my on your journalism career yeah. as a professional journalist. I like the image of the laptops slamming oh, shut, just, like oh. simultaneously, just like bam. And these guys are like cool Euro shoes and like, you know, boot cut jeans or whatever <laughs> fucking yeah. pro cyclists wear. They were just like heads up, like headphones in heads up. Boom! Phones down. Like all of their <laughs> like, all of their technology was just like, nope, out of here. I can't. I can't possibly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, what did you answer? If it the, was me, the bear attack. Yeah, yeah. I have to. I have to save you from the bear. I have. Are you to. saying that because I just said that I would save you from it? Pick somebody else. I mean, that's. I mean, that's partially. That's partially true. Well, what I said was that I want to be contrarian and say that I would like. Fuck it. I need the sunlight. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, you can't let somebody get attacked by a bear for your benefit. You can't. I, even if yeah. you know what, I'll go a step further. If it were a stranger, I would still stop the bear attack. And that's not because I'm cool. It's just like, I, I'm not going to sleep at night. That is, it's sort of selfish. I'm not going to sleep at night knowing that there's someone who's been maimed. Because look, and it's a grizzly bear. Like the brilliance of the question is it's a grizzly bear. Grizzly bear is going to fuck you up. You know, that thing, that thing weighs like 800 pounds, has claws and teeth. Yeah. You know. But, I, but, it's, but it's not guaranteed. I mean, that's, that's the that's the meat of the hypothetical yeah is that you could maybe you, you know maybe they barely touch you it's kind of there was a show <clears throat> it was sort of like a twilight zone -y show or maybe it was a scene it was a clip in a movie or it was a, a horror short or something but this guy shows up to somebody's house and he's got this box he's like there's a button in it and he says you know here i'll pay you twenty thousand dollars if you push this button, somebody somewhere is going to die. Right. And this person wrestles with this and they stew on it and stew on it. And finally they open the box and they push the button and the dude shows up like immediately after. And he's like, all right, here's your money. And he's like, now 
I'm going to go give this to somebody else. I think that's how the scenario goes. So, and then the guy's like, oh, well, fuck. I don't know if like, did I kill the last person who had the box? And now this guy's going to take it to somebody else and I've got the money and they're going to push the button and I'm going to die. You know, I think there was like this. Is that a this Ted vagueness. Chang short story? A what? Ted, who wrote that? I, I have no idea. I don't I want to say that's a I've Ted seen Chang. It or read it or yeah. heard about it. Like my memory is so <clears throat> blasted at this point. I'm not, maybe I wrote it. Ah, I loved you it. Know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my mind is just, it's just, it's just. Did a grizzly bear write useless. that? What the fuck? A grizzly bear might've written that. Uh, so that puts us right almost at an hour. Yeah. And, um, let's, let's wrap this, on, wrap this thing up, put a fork in it. Uh, I think I've read the outro the last couple of times. Maybe it's your turn. All right. I'll do it. Give it some. Put some, put some, uh, spit, some spit, some spit shine on it. I'll do my radio voice. Okay. Um, thanks for listening to Revolting. If you have questions for us or topics you want us to pontificate on, email Stevel at Stevel at cyclingindependent.com. I'm not going to, I'm going to stop doing yeah, that. Yeah, don't that's do that anymore. Really, that sucks. If you like this or any of the other fun stuff that we uh, do on the Cycling Independent, please consider subscribing. Uh, it's the only way we have to pay ourselves. Uh, like if you listened to this and laughed or learned something and then didn't subscribe, that's like stiffing your bartender on a tip or throwing library books in the river. Don't do that. Cut Yikes. it out. We've asked nicely and now we're guilting people into paying us. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Don't throw library uh, books in the river. Give me $5. Don't, don't throw library books in the river. No. Uh, well, we did it. And yep. As always, thank you everybody for coming. Um, I think we're getting better at this, but I, I don't really Maybe know. not. I don't know. Every time I listen to it, I'm like, mm, that's okay. <laughs> Ooh, that was good. I think we're on to something. And then the next one comes out and I don't well, really yeah, feel that way. Okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, for the Cycling Independent and Revolting, I'm steve And I'm Robot. Don't forget to suck it. <laughs>